But I'm John. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm excited to get to share this morning. Uh, pastor Kedrick and Natalie are at a wedding, and so they're having, I think, a great weekend, and, um, and we are here, and we're excited. I'm excited to get to share with you. Last week was Easter, and it was all about Christ, right, and his, and his gift and his resurrection, right? He's alive, and because of that, he's conquered death. We can choose to believe in him, um, to, to, to believe what he said, who he said he was and, and what he did, um, that he died for us, rose again, uh, conquered death so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have life forever, right? That's what we, we celebrated last week, um, that we could have life forever because of his gift. Um, Romans 10, 9 through 10 puts it this way. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Right, so if, that's all we have to do. That's our only part. Um, it's not about how often we pray, how often we read the Bible, how often we're here, um, the good things that we do. It's about none of that. And Pastor Kedrick shared that really well last week. Um, we had such a great service last week, right? There was, um, worship was awesome, service was awesome. There were three teens that got baptized, um, and, and it was a, you know, a proclamation of, I, I believe in Jesus, and I, would, I don't care who knows. Uh, and then we had, uh, we prayed for the Meester family, which um, her surgery is, is coming up tomorrow. Scarlett's is, is tomorrow, so keep her in your prayers. Um, Scarlett is the daughter um, in this family, and, um, and so we just want to lift them up. But uh, what an awesome service. And so today, what we're talking about is kind of our response, right? Because in, um, as we, as we uh, accept Christ, okay, then what, right? John 3.16 is another verse that we look at um, when talking about um, choosing to believe in Christ and, and how belief is all that it takes, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, right? The eternal life part is what we're, what we're wanting to focus on out of that verse, um, you know, once that we choose to believe in Christ, once that we believe in him and, and are following him, uh, that is when our kind of our, our time frame or our perspective should change. Rather than focusing just on the here and now, focusing on, on this life, focusing on, oh, what are my goals for the next five years or ten years, it should become, okay, what does eternity look like? And how is what I'm doing today affecting my eternity, somebody else's eternity, um, any of that? Because once that we make that decision to follow Christ, we have, to, we have to put on this mindset of, I'm an eternal being, right? We, the Bible says that, that we will live for eternity, um, and so is everyone else, right? Well, depending on, no matter, no matter what, um, you know, we're all eternal beings. Everyone that you've ever met is an eternal being. Um, if you have kids, your, your kids are eternal beings. Uh, your kids' school teachers are eternal beings. The bus driver is an eternal being. Um, you know, the, the people who wait tables at, after you leave here and go get some food, um, they are eternal beings. The people in traffic are eternal beings. Everyone that you come in contact with is, is an eternal being. And the things that we do in our day-to-day -day life affect people's eternity. They affect our eternity and, and other people's, right? And I think when we put on this mindset of I'm, I'm going to have this eternal perspective of understanding, like, eternity is a really long time, it helps us to love people better. Right? It helps us to, um, to care about people better um, because, because eternity is such a long time. And uh, as a church, I don't think we struggle with this. You know, I don't think we need to talk about the Good Samaritan um, uh, you know, because we, we nail this. Right? The, the Good Samaritan is a story where, where Jesus is illustrating how we should care for people no matter who it is. And I think we as a church do really well at this. When someone has a physical need, we're there for them. We're willing to help them out. 
If somebody is, um, is recovering from something, I know many of you bring them dinners and, um, and help them out that way. If somebody um, is, is struggling with, you know, with, with, with depression or whatever, you'll be there and, and talk with them and, and help them out. If somebody's in the hospital, you'll go visit them. Um, if somebody is, falls and is hurt in front of you, like, you'll be there to take care of them, to help them through what they're going through. But uh, with an eternal perspective, how much more important is the spiritual health than physical health? Sometimes we focus so, so much on the physical health, um, but we just completely neglect spiritual health, right? Um, so everybody's an eternal being, and so it's not about, okay, are, are, they, are they feeling well on this earth? But it's more about, okay, where is their soul? Where is their, um, you know, their, their eternity? Where are they going to spend that? Um, and it's sometimes harder to recognize when somebody's hurting spiritually uh, it's easier to see when somebody's hurt, when somebody's recovering, when, when they need to have a physical need. Um, <clears throat> but it's harder to see the, the spiritual. There's, one, there's a way to, to, to kind of notice is that's just to stop ignoring it, right? Stop forgetting that, that people have a spiritual life, that they have, um, you know, how, how is somebody doing spiritually? Oftentimes, I talk to kids about their time at, at school, right? And who are your friends? What do you guys talk about? Who are the people you sit at at lunch? And when we talk about Okay, who do, the, who do you sit at at lunch? Are they Christians? I ask them that. And almost every single time that I ask this question, the answer I get is probably, right? They're, they're good people. They're kind. They, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty similar, so they're probably a Christian, right? They, I don't know. Um, and I say, why don't you know for sure? Why can't you say it for sure, yes or no? Well, we've, we've never actually talked about it. It's never come up. And, and it's the thing that if you're a Christian, we're building our entire lives. The entire foundation of our lives is built on Christ and on this gift that we have. And it's, it should be the most important thing in our life, and we don't talk about it. And I understand that from teens because, um, you know, they, can, they get so many things on the brain and um, whatever, but put yourself in that. When you're talking with neighbors, with friends, with, um, with whoever, how often do spiritual things come up? Or do we just kind of ignore those and, and keep those to the side so that we don't have to have an awkward conversation or, or we can just uh, ignore it? Uh, it's easier to ignore it, but it's, it's not as beneficial, and, and ignoring it doesn't really show that you care about someone. Um, you know, do we really care about somebody if we don't care about their eternity? Um, I think that's an A.W. Tozer quote, but I'm not positive. Um, so, so what we need, we're modeling after Jesus with this. Um, Jesus cared about people's spiritual life more than he cared about their physical life. He healed people all the time. He healed them of physical ailments all the time. But he would, it wasn't that he would go up to someone and say, oh man, you're blind. I'm so sorry. Like that stinks for you. Uh, let me take care of that and then walk away. It was, let me heal this so that I can have an in to, to help you spiritually, right? Let me, let me heal you so that you can stand up and walk, and now maybe you guys will, will take what I have to say for the, you'll take the actual goods that I have to offer, right? The, the spiritual advice, the spiritual healing that I have to offer. Um, and if he did it, then we should do it too. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So when we decided to follow Christ, we said, okay, I'm no longer in charge. Christ is in charge of my life. So if he calls me to go somewhere that I've never heard of, I'm going to go there because he's in charge, right? And that's, that's, how we need to, to, that's how we need to live. It's scary to kind of take your hands off and not have control. But when we give control to God who is sovereign, who knows everything, who is the creator of you and the plan that is for your life, I mean, it makes sense to just give him the control, right? Um, so, so when it's no longer us and we're just following God, how does that play out? What does that look like? Uh, Acts 8, 
<clears throat> is where we're going to spend most of the time today. We're going to look at um, verse 26 to start with. Um, it's a story of Philip and an interaction that he has with a stranger. Um, <clears throat> and, and I think that this, this really shows a lot of, of loving people, of listening to God. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to look at this story. Uh, Acts 8, 26. It says, An angel of the Lord uh, said to Philip, go, to, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then the next verse starts out with, so he started out, right? Who was in charge of Philip's life? God was, right? This angel says, go, he goes. He just does it. He's not asking questions. He's not saying, okay, well, explain to me what I'm going to do before I get there so I'm prepared. He's just like, okay, you want me to go? I'm going. You'll, you'll tell me more when I need to know, right? Uh, the next verse, 827, uh, finishes saying, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendic which is, means the queen of the Ethiopians, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So we meet this guy who works for the queen of the Ethiopians, okay? Um, he had an unfortunate nickname, the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't have an actual name for him. We can't call him by his name. I wish we could because I think it would be, it'd be a little bit friendlier. Um, <clears throat> this chunk of scripture just keeps calling him the eunuch over and over. And so if, if you don't know what that is, um, ask somebody that you're sitting next to after church. And they'll explain it. Um, we're not going to get into that. Um, I was telling first service, I said, you know, I feel bad calling him this over and over, but it's what's in scripture, and I'm not going to change that. And, and then I was like, you know, because he's got, he's got family that it could probably trace their lineage back to him. And then I thought, no, he probably doesn't. Um, but anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so moving on. Acts 8, 28 through 30 um, it says, on his, uh, he was on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Okay, so again, he says, the spirit says, go to that chariot. And so he runs there, right? I got to catch this chariot. I got to catch up to this guy. He runs over there okay, what am I going to say? What's my in here? You know, how am I going to, how am I going to start up this conversation? This could be awkward. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? Do you, do you understand what you're, what you're reading there? Can I, can I help you with that? Um, how many of you guys like starting conversations with strangers? Okay. It's something that not very much, maybe some of you, some of you guys are, are very social and, and like doing that. Um, but probably not very many of us like doing that. Um, I think that it is an important thing to do at times, right? There are times where you probably shouldn't do it. You might get in trouble, um, or you might stay. If you did it with everybody that you met at Kroger, you'd probably stay there the entire day. Um, but there are times, like here at church, where, where it can be really beneficial to just walk up to somebody and, and start a conversation. It's still a little bit intimidating, but it can be really, really good. Um, we are a church family here. You know, I hope that this is your church home, and we use those words on purpose, like a family kind of has the same goal, and everybody's moving in the same direction, and, and has the same, the same hopes, right? And when, um, when this is our church home, like if somebody's coming to your home when you were growing up, and your family, they would say, okay, we gotta, we gotta clean up, we gotta um, make sure that they feel welcomed, we gotta take care of anything that, they, that might make them feel uncomfortable, like let's, let's, let's make sure that they feel good when they get here, right? Every single week, we have, we have new people coming here, um, and we want to make sure that we are that we're hosting them well. We have a, a host team that's starting up, and um, and it's it's kind of going. And what it is is just it's just people that are willing to keep their eyes and ears open and say, okay, how can I how can I make somebody feel comfortable when they're coming to our church for the first time? Because I don't know if you remember going to a new church or have done this re recently. It can be intimidating, even if you know how church works 
it can be intimidating walking in and, okay, I don't, I'm not familiar, you know, and our, our building can sometimes feel a little bit backwards because the atrium's over there, so you have to go around the hall, and you might not know that, but other people that have been here do, and you feel like, you know, you're, you're a little bit out. We want to make sure that people feel as welcomed as possible and as loved as possible because God loves them like crazy, and we want to, uh, we want to love them just the same way that he does, right? And so sometimes going up to somebody that, that you know, maybe seems a little bit, uh, okay, I don't recognize this person, or they look like they're looking for something. You know, it can be intimidating, but it, it's, it's really worth it. It's, it's important to do. Um, I've done this a few times. I try to do this uh, frequently. Just if I see somebody that I don't recognize, I go up and talk to them. And I know sometimes I'm going to make a fool of myself, and that's okay. Uh, two weeks ago, it, my, my, I didn't get prompted by an angel of the Lord, um, but I was prompted by my wife. Um, and I think she was prompted by an angel to prompt me. And so I was standing here talking to her, and she says, hey, turn around, go talk to that guy. He looks like he's lost. And so I turn around, and sure enough, there's a guy who looked about college age, and he was, like, doing this. And I was like, okay, yeah, what, what, are, you, what are you looking for? How can I help you? I'm John. And, and he was here to, um, to, to visit his family. And, and I got to make a connection there. I got to talk to him for a little bit. I got to help him look. I didn't help him at all. Like, I, we couldn't find them. Um, but at least he had somebody that he was able to talk to, and he didn't feel alone and by himself. And, um, and then the next week, uh, last, so last week, I talked to somebody and a, a family that came in. I was like, I don't recognize them. I wonder if they're new. I'm going to go up and say, hi. Hi, I'm John. And, you know, I, I don't recognize you. Are you guys new here? They weren't. Uh, they, had, they, they probably might, might have been here longer than me. And, and they started telling me about Easter last year and things. And I was like, wow, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. Um, and, but they didn't punch me. Like, they, they were okay with it. They just laughed. And, um, and we moved on, right? It, I, so I, a few laughs were had. But it, I think it's worth it to go up and, and do that. Uh, it, you know, I'd rather have that kind of awkward conversation than... A conversation I had uh, five five or so years ago when we lived in Washington State. Um, I was working at a church, and there was a couple that that came, and and they they started coming to our church. They came for three months, and I don't think they missed a single Sunday. Um, they didn't have kids, so they weren't checking them in and meeting people that way. Um, and so they walk in, and they meet the greeter that shakes their hand, but they're stuck to the door, so they can't really have a long, drawn-out conversation. And and then I met them. And, you know, just talk to them a little bit, but I'm running all over the place. And, and then they came back the week after week after week. And I met them, you know, saw them a few more times, said hi to them. And then after three months, they said, hey, John, just wanted to let you know this is our last Sunday here. And I said, oh, why? And they said, well, we haven't broken through. Like, we, we haven't been able to, to connect with anybody. Uh, we, we met you. We met so-and-so, the door greeter. Um, and now her shift's done, and so she's not greeting anymore, so we don't know even the greeter anymore, and, and, and they, they said, we, we tried to say hi to people, we tried to say good morning to people, and hope that a conversation started, and, and it just never did, and kind of what they, what I suspected, or what they suspected was people had their group of, of a few people that they would walk into church and say, okay, I'm comfortable talking to this person, and this person, and this person, and that's who they would talk to, and they didn't have time, or they didn't fit into anybody's group that was, that was like that, and um, and so I was a little bit upset, and I was, you know, trying to talk to people about how can we make people feel more welcomed, and, and since then, as I meet new people, I often ask, you know, how, how were you, how did you feel like our church received you, you know, were you greeted, and, and I'm glad to say that uh, every, a lot of people that I talk to here um, just talk about how warm and friendly our church is, and, and how um, 
kind and, you know, willing to accommodate and just, just all good, good, good things. And so I want to say, good job, keep it up, um, and, and make sure we keep it up because we don't, I don't ever want to hear um, that kind of story again where, where someone just feels not accepted and not, not welcomed. Um, you know, as Christians, we should be the most welcoming people in the, in the world for sure. Uh, I want to challenge you, okay? I do this sometimes with the teens. I have them look around the room and, and ask, okay, who can name everyone here? And sometimes they try to and, and whatever, and I, I'll throw candy at them. Uh, I don't have any candy, and we don't have enough time for you guys to do it. But how many of you think you could name everyone here in the room? Anybody? No? Who thinks they could name half? Probably not. Maybe a couple. We got a couple, got a couple middle schoolers up here like, yeah, I could. Um, no, you can't. Um, and, but, you know, it's, we're, a, we're a church family um, and I think it would be really cool if today, before you left, you met someone new, someone that you haven't talked to, someone maybe you've, maybe you've shaken their hand before and, and you kind of know their name, but, but you know, let's, let's try to go a little deeper than that. Find out just a little something about them. You know, if we did that today, and then we did it next week, and then we did it the next week, and the next week, eventually we would run out of people who were unfamiliar to us, right? And we might have to start doing it again because uh, we'd forget, but that's okay. Um, and then you would really notice when someone was new, and you could show them, hey, we're so glad that you're here, instead of wondering, oh, I've, I wonder if they've been here a while and I've just missed it. Um, you know, you can really be on top of it that way. And so, um, so anyway, I want to I wanna challenge you guys, do that this week, do that every week. Um, if you are new, by the way, or have been new in the last couple weeks, we would love to get to know you better. Um, with the host team, there's a host center in the atrium. Um, after service, you can head there. Um, you can fill out a connection card. We've got a gift for you. Um, and so that would be awesome if you would, would want to come out there and, and we could meet you quick um, after service. Moving on. Um, Acts 8, 30 through 35. Um, I think that's where we're going to stop for a little bit. Um, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. That was recap. Um, 31 says, How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come over and sit with him, okay? Um, it, it can be daunting when you don't understand something, when you feel like you are just in the thick of it and have no idea what you're talking about, and you, you're on your own, right? Have you ever tried to help somebody with math? Okay, I tried to help a teen with math, and <laughs> my, dad, my dad just raised his hand, and I'm sure I was this, this person, where you're just totally lost, have no idea what you're doing, and, and you, are, you just feel like, the worst, right? How, how can I ever figure this out? You need somebody to come by and say, no, this is how you do it, and tell you step by step, and maybe tell you over and over and over again, right? That's, uh, that's, what, that's what this Ethiopian guy needed. Um, and so, uh, so he, he, he reads this, they, they tell you what the scripture is. So verse 32, this passage of scripture the eunuch was reading uh, was, he, led, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer in silence, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began, to tell, began with this very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. Okay, so as soon as he's, they're done reading this, like obviously the spirit sent him, knew what was going on here, um, had this perfect opening, but he doesn't walk up and he doesn't say, 
hey, yeah, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to start coming to these meetings that we have so that you can, you know, you can learn more about him. You got to pray for three hours a day at least. You got to read this much scripture. You got to do, you know, he didn't start, oh, you can't say these words and you better start doing this and stop doing that. He didn't go through all of that list that we, you know, sometimes make it out to be. He told him about Jesus. He said, there was this guy named Jesus and and yeah, that stuff that you're reading was written 700 years before he lived, but it's about him. It was a prophecy from God, and, and he came here, lived a perfect life, and he took our punishment that we deserved, and he died and then conquered death, right? And, and so he's telling him all of this stuff, and, and God sent Philip there because God cared just as much about this Ethiopian guy as he did about Philip, right? And he, and he wanted to spend eternity with this Ethiopian guy just as much as he did with Philip, right? He, he wasn't... It's, Philip was already his child, but he loved this guy just as much. Um, and so he sent him to him to go and, and talk about Jesus. Acts 8, 36-38 uh, says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? He gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. All right, he shows this awesome faith. Okay, you were talking about Jesus and baptism and how that's important. I haven't been baptized. I believe in Jesus. Let's do this. There's water right here. Let's go make it happen, right? That's what we, we had last week. We had three baptisms, and, and it was um, teens saying, I believe in Jesus, and I, and I want everybody to know it, right? If you haven't been baptized, we are, uh, we are not prepared today, but um, at some time, let us know, and we would love to baptize you in the near future. Um, it is not, there's nothing special in the water that changes your composition or anything like that. Um, it, is a, it is a signal to the world that I love Jesus and I'm going to live for him, right? That's all, that's all it is, but it's, I say that's all it is. It is a big, big deal because Jesus said that we're supposed to do it. And, and we get to celebrate as a church family together. Um, and I don't know if you know, I think we've had 30 or, or plus baptisms this year. So um, it's been really cool um, to get to baptize so many and, and we're definitely open to, to doing more. Uh, so X, the story ends with this in verse 38. It says, When they came out of the water, uh, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. That's pretty cool. Poof. Philip's gone, and the eunuch's like, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. How, how great was that, the God to send him, and now he's off probably helping somebody else, whatever. Um, what a cool way to end this story. Um, and it's really cool because we serve the same God who has the same power, right? Um, we have this, this same spirit that's helping us and, and working with us. So when we get so timid about, about talking to somebody, you know, that spirit is right there with us, that, and he can be giving us a, a boldness um, to, to walk up to someone, to take the risk. It's worth taking the risk. I, I know, um, you know, this, this story is so cool because Philip's like, all right, I'm going to do it, God. And he could have used some of the excuses that we use, like what if they say no? What if they get mad at me? What if, um, what if they're upset because I'm, I'm saying I'm right and you're wrong and I'm trying to change them. Um, any of these excuses, I, what if I don't know enough, right? He could have used, said any of those. Um, it's worth the risk of having things, you know, look awkward or seem awkward because it's people's eternity that's at stake, right? Um, I was on a, a flight about seven years ago. Um, I was leaving a, a pastor's conference, flying back to Seattle from L.A., and, and I was exhausted. We had, like, it had been five days of just craziness, and we, I was so tired, I was going to sleep on the flight and, um, before we got home. And I get sat down and kind of like wiggle into the window. And then this lady sat, sits down beside me and she just liked to talk. And she was a talker and just, just, just going. 
And, and so I'm trying to be courteous and listen. And she's telling me about the daughter's wedding that she just got done going to and, and how, um, you know, she, was, she was, had a Christian wedding and that the lady was okay with that. But um, she used to be a Christian, but now she, she preferred the teaching in Islam. And so she, um, she's now Islamic. And, and she was, you know, offended a little bit because at this at this wedding, the pastor said that Jesus was the only way, and she didn't agree with that. She thought Christians get to heaven, so do, so do um, those in Islam, and, and she didn't like that very much. And then she looks at me and says, what do you do? And, and I was like, awesome. Um, I like to sleep is one thing that I do. Um, but I, I thought, you know what, God just kind of set this out here. Um, I need to be obedient. And, and so I said, I said, you know what, like, I don't want to offend you or seem like I'm, I'm intolerant or um, not inclusive or anything like that. I said, but I just want to tell you what I, what I believe because I, I want to tell you the truth. God cares about you, and, and I care about you. And, um, and so I, I believe the same thing as the pastor that, that you disagreed with and were offended by. Uh, I said, I think, I think that Jesus clearly says he's the only way to heaven. And I told her about John 14, 6 that says, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and I tried to be as, as gracious as I could, to not offend, right? Um, and we have this, this long conversation. I didn't want the next two hours to be really awkward because um, we had just taken off, and she'd already talked that much. And, um, but, you know, it didn't, she wasn't offended. Um, you know, she didn't, she didn't say, okay, like, let's find some water. I'm ready to be baptized. She didn't say that. Um, and I didn't poof, disappear. Um, that didn't happen, but we left that conversation with her saying, okay, I've got some things I, I really need to, to think through and pray about and, um, and consider, and, you know, I don't know, I don't have any idea um, where she's, what, what happened with, with that now, um, but, but it's worth it to take a little bit of that risk, right, because Jesus is the only way. Um, I want to close with this. So uh, about 85% roughly of non-Christians believe there is a heaven, Okay, so if you ask a non-Christian, 85% would say, yeah, there's some sort of heaven, afterlife, um, something like that. And almost all would say, I'm going to go there, right? Like, I, I've, I, get, I get to go, and, and whatever the reason that they, that they claim, um, you know, they would, it, it gets them in. And sadly, without Jesus, zero do, right? Because that's what, that's what he, he says in that verse, John 14, 6. And he confirms it later um, with some of his actions uh, in the garden so before Jesus was arrested, he was in the garden, and he's praying. And, and in uh, Matthew 26, 39, it says, Going a little further, he fell uh, with his face in the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. <clears throat> okay, so this cup that he's talking about, he didn't have an actual cup. Um, the cup that he's talking about was the cup of God's wrath, okay? Um, and... So it's like, imagine God's wrath in a cup, and it's going to be poured out on Christ, okay? Um, that's what he was praying to be taken from him. That's what he was saying. I, I don't want to, to experience that. I don't want to, um, to have to deal with that, right? It wasn't the crucifixion. It wasn't the beating. It wasn't the crown of thorns that he was, um, you know, dreading going to the cross, but it was this cup of God's wrath, right? And so um, when he's praying, God, if there, Father, if there is another way, Let's do that, right? If these people that we love can get to heaven just by being really good people and being kind to, 
to others. And, or maybe if they, if they go to church and they go every single week and they never miss it and, and they pray this much, and if, if that can be enough, then let's do that. Or if it's some other religion, like let's, let's point to that religion so that people can go there and be saved. Right? Let's do anything else that would get people to heaven so I don't have to do this, you know, be crucified and, and take this wrath of yours. Because this wrath was, was reserved for us. It was God's punishment to us for our sin that Jesus was going to take. But he still went through with it, right? He still got crucified. <clears throat> he still took the wrath of God for us because there was no other way. And it seems really harsh and really non-inclusive and to say this is the only way and everybody else, you know, well, you, you got to figure something else out. Well, it's not really that. It's, there is no other way, so we have to figure something out for them. We have to be willing to have awkward conversations, to go and love people enough to, to share the truth with them. Even if, even if it, we risk offending, even if we risk uh, whatever the fears are, it's worth it because it's eternity that we are talking about. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would give those in this room boldness, God, for you, that they would understand what the real stakes are, that um, that we're talking about people's eternity. And, and God, I pray that, that you would give them opportunities the way that you gave Philip an opportunity uh, to, to talk to this man. And, and God, I pray that when they say yes to you, that they would see life change in their loved ones, that they would see life change in, in their neighbors or their families or, or just people that they randomly meet. God, I just pray for success for them. I pray for your kingdom to grow. It's in your name we pray. Amen.